Hello and welcome back, hopefully for many of you guys, to Parent Q Live. My name is Carlos Whitaker and I'm sitting here with Cristina or Kristen Ivey. Welcome. Welcome. It's good to be here, Carlos. This is great. This is great. I'm excited about the conversation that we're going to jump into today because uh, it's really just the beginning of the conversation. We're we're going to double up this podcast with another episode um, that's going to be coming up that's on the same topic. And the topic today is race. And I'm not talking about the 40-yard dash. No, No. absolutely not. We're not. We're not. We're we're talking about race. Like The fact that I'm sitting here across the table from you as a Latino, Mexican, brown pigmentation on my skin, human being. And you, why don't you describe yourself to us? I'm a little less tan than you are, Carlos. Just a little bit. No, I get a little bit more freckles, a little more sunburned. You do? You do? I don't think I have one freckle. Not one. (laughs) Not one? I don't think so. That's a fascinating little... That is. I'm, well, are birthmarks freckles? No, no that's okay. not the same then thing. Then I don't have a freckle. No, you can't get it in the sun. <laughs> okay, I don't, I don't have one. Uh, not only uh, um, are we of different races, which is what we're going to talk about today, but um, we have, we're, we're both parents. Absolutely, And yeah. I'm the parent of a, gosh, everything's changing because school started, but of a 10th grader, oh my gosh, it just hurts to even say that. Um, calling double ARP right after this episode, but a 10th grader, a eighth grader and a fifth grader. And uh, that's kind of the season that I'm in right now. Uh, what about you, Christina? I am parenting an eight year old who's in second grade. Okay. Uh, my middle child is five and three quarters. Okay. She will tell you five and three quarters. Yes. Three quarters. <laughs> At the time of this recording. At the time of this recording. And a two-year-old who just started preschool for the first time this week. I love it. I love it. That's uh, It's hard to remember those days, but those are important days. And so we know that a lot of you guys are sitting, uh, you know, in different seasons of your parenting. So just a really quick answer, Kristen. For someone that's listening to the podcast for the first time, what's the goal here? What are we trying to do? Uh, Parent Q Live is a podcast that wants to help everyone win as a parent. Yes. Um, You know, when you first became a parent, you looked out and all of a sudden there's this moment of responsibility where you feel um, in whatever words you choose to use, like, my goodness, I have a lot of responsibility now. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yes. But so... How do you help parents win at this important job? Yeah. Because we all know that every parent wants to be a good parent. We right. want to get this right. We don't want to mess our kids up. Nope. Um, but there was no training for this. There's yeah. no manual for this. There is Google, uh, which right. is just sometimes helpful and sometimes not. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's no WebMD for parenting. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> and so I wish there was sometimes. Although that could just make me more paranoid. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, absolutely. It, it does. And so, so, again, hopefully you guys, as you're, you know... Um, on this journey with us, you'll, you know, just kind of hopefully learn what you can. Each and every episode is a little bit different. Today's episode, uh, we are specifically talking about race, and I'm going to let you kind of introduce the conversation that we're going to have today. Yeah, it's really interesting in a timely way. We had an opportunity to talk with our friend Tasha Morrison, um, and it was a few weeks back when we pre-recorded this interview with Tasha because we felt like this was an important conversation to have, Um, but this all happened before the recent events in Charlottesville. And so, so this conversation you had with her was before that. Was before that. 
Um, because we knew this was a great topic to talk about. How yeah. do you raise your kids in whatever nationality, with whatever race that your family is, um, or multiple nationalities that your family may be? So good. How do you raise your children to be um, open-minded and kind and caring and compassionate uh, with people who may be different than themselves? And so uh, it was just, it was a fun time to talk about this with a leader, not only who has an organization called mm-hmm. Be the Bridge, all about how to get to know somebody um, who maybe is a different nationality than your own. Um, but she's also been a children's pastor. And so she's navigated these conversations specifically with children who have a little bit more of a concrete approach to the way that they think about yeah. life. And so sometimes um, when you have conversations with children, you may hear them say things that as an adult person make you kind of wince inside and yes. you want to jump in and go, no, 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 don't say it like that. Or, so good. Uh, but how do you have these conversations to help children have a big picture worldview when it rela- when it comes to understanding people who are different than themselves. Yeah. Um, and so like you mentioned, we're going to actually have a follow-up conversation with Tasha Perfect. in a few days later this week, specifically related to how to talk to your kids in light of recent events and um, what's going on in our country and how to have specific conversations. Love it. I love it. So uh, this conversation, just again, to remind you guys, so you guys know, uh, will be a preliminary conversation to another one on Charlottesville and what's been happening just in the country in general. So here's our conversation with Tasha Morrison. Tasha, it's so good to be with you here today. It's Um, great to be here. And welcome all the way from Austin, Texas. And we're here to have kind of a fun and different conversation. You are uh, part of an organization called Be The Bridge. Yes, or as Reggie says, build the bridge. (laughs) Be the bridge, build the bridge. Be the bridge, build the bridge, bridge builder, all of it. All of it. Now, (laughs) what is that concept about? you basically be the bridge is you know we want to see the church and or um, Christian organizations to be that that credible witness of unity that um, we see in in John 17 and so we want the church to be um, a transformative answer to racial healing in our country That's great. Now, we're on a podcast today talking to parents specifically, and so I get so excited about opening up this conversation to parents because um, we're raising the next generation of children. Why does it even matter? What can parents do to this conversation? Why does it matter to think in terms of racial solidarity um, with our children? You know, a lot of times we say that you know, it will get better with each generation. But if we're not being strategic and intentional about it getting better, it won't get better because 80% of what kids learn are from their parents. And so they inherit our fears, you know, our anxieties, and a lot of times our biases and our prejudices also. So we want to be intentional about that conversation. So when you say get better, what's broken? Well, basically, <laughs> let's be honest, our our connection, you know, our unity as it relates to all of God's children um, are, is broken, you know, our unity with one another. And so um, there's a lot of history there. Um, there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain. There's a, 
you know, a lack of awareness, a lack of acknowledgement, a lack of repentance, um, you know, lack of forgiveness. And, you know, that's not how we create reconciliation. You know, we need awareness, acknowledgement, repentance, confession, and all those things to lead us toward a path of unity and solidarity. And so we have fractured relationships and segregated lives instead. Wow. Give me an example. You've worked in children's ministry. You've worked around families um, in a lot of capacities. Give me an example of how you see some of that fractured relationship, broken and separation playing out. Yeah, I think one of the things for me that stands out is the main reason why I integrated into a predominantly white church from an African-American church, um, which was culturally different for me. But to be um, a bridge in that, because of the the, the disconnection, the dissonance, um, really bothered me to a point where I had discontent, mm-hmm. you know, with, um, um, I was really bothered by the fact that our world, especially in the church, is so segregated. When the world is hurting and in pain and dealing with all the brokenness and messiness that comes from um, our race relations, um, they're supposed to look to, you know, the church, the capital C, the people of God, you know, and we say that Jesus is the answer, then why is something like loving your neighbor? Is that so difficult for us to do? And so the church hasn't been a, been a great witness, um, a, a great, um, it hasn't been real credible. Um, you know, we've caused a lot of the pain and the harm. And so um, because of that discontent, um, I felt that I had to start talking about something that was very difficult to talk about because you can't fix something that you're not really to you're not ready to acknowledge. Mm. So, you know, you can't reconcile what you don't recognize. And so we want to make sure that we recognize the brokenness, because even some people here in this, you know, they may think because of the world that they live in and the box that they live in, that nothing's broken. Mm-hmm. Everything's fine, mm-hmm. you know. And that's that's not a lie. And we, we have to really, you know, Scripture tells us the truth will make you free, will set you free. And so the truth is that we have to live in reality and say there is a, a broken relationship here. There's a fracture. There's a harm here. How do we address it? How do we make it right? How do we set it right? And that's all what repentance is. It's about setting things right, making it right. That's great. Mm-hmm. Now, what what's at stake in your mind? Um, in other words, if if a kid is going to grow into racial solidarity or oneness, like mm-hmm. you talk about, um, what would be uh, a reason that you want us to have this conversation and that it's important for us to consider uh, reaching across the aisle, so to speak, uh, living life with people who are different from us. What is it that we have to gain? Yeah. I think that we represent the gospel, the true gospel. And if we want to live um, authentic lives that represent the fullness of Christ, then we would embrace that. There's no ethnicity alone that represents the fullness and um, the characteristic of Christ. It's all of us together, all of the tribes together. And so when we step across that line and those barriers that we've created, um, we're more and richly blessed. And then also it points back to, you know, John 17, which is my favorite, you know, and, and, and being that of one, 
and so we are one. Um, and so what so, is John 17? Say, say it out you know, <laughs> for us. Why is it your favorite passage? Well, you know, I, I think it's just really key in the fact that they will know you by the love that you have for one another, mm. that our love and our connection, our unity, our solidarity um, reflects back to, to, it's not about necessarily everything that we say, but it's what we do and how we treat each other. And so that reflects back to our Father. And so people who don't know, mm-hmm. you know, will know who he is by the love that we show and, and the solidarity, the oneness that we have with one another. And think about that. What inspires people when they see people coming together, when we see people being kind and reaching, you know, with all the ugliness that's going on in the world, when we see, um, uh, you know, a, a child help an elderly person or if we see someone, you know, doing something kind, how it inspires people. And our oneness can inspire people. That's what inspired the early church and those that we're looking in on what is this weird thing called Christianity and how they were, you know, in Acts it talks about how they were, you know, together, they were eating together, they were in each other's home, they were solving their own issues, they were, you know, helping the poor, you know, all these different things that they were doing and spreading the gospel. It was a re- it was a reflection of the God that they served. And so that's what made, you know, um, people want you know, Christ is because of what his followers were doing. And so I always, you know, I, I always tell people, you know, how do you think we're doing it that now? You know, <laughs> wow. I, what yeah. we're reflecting is oh. a turnoff. Like, you know, um, our belief, our Christianity, our walk has, how we treat each other has become a turnoff because the world is in pain. Mm-hmm. It's broken. It's hurt. But can they look to you in your life and how you treat people who don't look like you? and see Christ in that. And I think we have to really be honest with that. Now, you were saying earlier, we were having some great conversations offline, and and you mentioned some families that you've worked with who have adopted a child of a different color or of a different nationality. And what are some unique challenges for those families specifically? And what are some unique opportunities that you see in that kind of a family dynamic. Yeah, I think there's a different, when you adopt, you know, they call it transracial adoption. And um, I think when you adopt a child, you know, you're looking at the world now through their eyes. This is a child that you love, that you've brought into your home and you want to see their life full and successful. So I think you, your worldview shifts shifts your perspective your experiences because now you're going to witness life through that child's life and so you're going to witness comments that people say you're you know you're going to be more sensitive to things that are said on tv or your interactions in the store you know stairs because that's not normal for a, a family of one ethnicity to have a child of a different ethnicity and so i think because that's heightened you know, and because the love that you have for your child, you want to make that right. And so I, with my friends, I think it's opened them up to have this conversation around racial unity and racial solidarity because now they see the brokenness where before when they didn't have to see it because they were living in basically their own racial box is forcing them to see that, you know, everything's not the same for everyone. You know, and that these comments hurt and, you know, they kind of dehumanize my child. You know, Uh, my child is not a product or, you know, my child is a human, 
you know, um, that God sees and loves just like he sees and loves your child, you know. So I think, you know, with my with my friendships, it has opened them up to be more aware and live lives and model a life that's more aware um, racially in that sense where, you know, they're exposing their children um, you know, those that they adopted and ones that maybe they had um, naturally, you know, um, to um, diversity, you know. And I think that's one of the greatest things you can do is not just expose your children to it, but also discuss these hard things with your children and make sure your children um, understand, you know, that, um, that they are loved and they are created, you know, by a God that loves them and um, that created their skin color and called it good. That's great. I love that. I love the potential. And also, I think as parents, regardless of what your family dynamic looks like, we all have this ability to develop better empathy. Right. Um, you and know, that's even- the key thing is empathy, being able to step into someone else's pain, but also being able to step into someone's experience and someone's joy, even if that's not your story, and have empathy. And what we've, what we have a lot, what we're seeing in the world around us is apathy. And apathy doesn't lead us toward Christ. It takes us away from Christ. And so we want empathy and so that we can be able to share um, with one another and rejoice with one another. So that's key in this work. Now you've been in this work, you've been in this job for several years. You've been doing, I would say, transformative work in Austin, Texas with these families. Um, So you have what I would consider rich stories of where you've seen parents and families doing incredible things. So if we were to get really practical for just a minute on some things that parents can do that would really be healing and helpful in these circumstances. uh, One of those, you know, you've mentioned is the way that you model your own friendships in your own life for your kids. Talk about that for a minute. Yeah, our kids can't be what they can't see, you know? And so I think, you know, the greatest thing that you can do is think about your friendships and not someone that you went to college with or someone you knew or a neighbor that you don't talk to. Because a lot of times we'll say, culturally, we think of friendships differently. And so I'm talking about someone that you have their number in their your phone that you can dial right now and they would come over to dinner and it wouldn't be weird. Mm. Mm-hmm. If you don't have relationships like that, you're not modeling, um, you know, this this beautiful mo- mosaic and tapestry that the Lord has created called diversity. And you want to model that for kids because that's what my mom modeled for me. So being uh, going to a white church or being in this room is not uncomfortable for me in that sense because I saw all types of people come over to to our house and go over to and play with their kids and um, go over to their homes. It's and not so, uncomfortable for you, and yet that takes a lot of intentionality for some of us. Yeah, that is. It takes work. That takes work. That's not a natural. It's, thing. Yes, you. It, it takes work. It takes commitment. But this is the thing. You. It, it takes conviction. That's right. It's not just about, um, oh, this is a great thing to do. You have to be convicted that, you know, this is the way that Christ has called us to live and let that drive the vision for this. And so I think exposing kids to that, for them seeing you model that, they will model that. Because I saw my parents model that, I model that in my life. You know, Mm -hmm. my life became more segregated when I went to college and became a Christian. And that's sad. 
Wow. You know, that my life became more segregated. But the, uh, you know, the other thing, you know, you know, who do you follow on social media? Think about that. Are you following people that you can learn something about, you know, from a different culture that you can learn more about, you know, and and follow them? You know, they may not be your friend personally, but you can learn a lot just by watching and gleaning. Um, I follow this um, this site called Because You Can. And I love just the positive images of um, African-Americans. I follow all types of people, um, you know, on social media just so that I can learn, like even doing this work, I still want to learn. There's stuff that I've learned about um, my Asian brothers and sisters. You know, um, my a good friend of mine is from, she's Chinese American. I have another friend that's a Taiwanese American, Korean American. They're different. They're not the same. <laughs> They're not monolithic. You know, that's right. I'm that's learning right. a lot from, um, you know, a Jamaican brother that I have, you know, um, my Nigerian sisters, you know, that I know just learning about their culture and their heritage is a beautiful thing. And it makes us, more blessed because you look you what you do is you appreciate all cultures and you know that God is at work in every culture not just your culture but God is at work in every ethnicity in every culture you know in every country he's at work and so we have to see that you know and understand that so I think the more we can do that in our homes with our kids and have these conversations with our children the better their lives will be as a as an adult. So you mentioned conversations right there. I think one it's one thing to model and have the friends over to your house. There's also a sense in which you have to have some very direct conversations sometimes with a child, especially the way children are wired to think in categories, yeah. to put people in categories. Um, at a young age, you know, kids will say anything. So as you're parenting a child, you know, and you, you hear your child maybe make a statement or maybe you just hear somebody make a statement around your child um, that might not resonate with you and, and what you want their perspective to be on color or race or nationality or difference. Uh, how do you respond? How do you talk about this directly with your child? Or what are some examples that you could give us of conversations? Yeah, I think, I think it's great. You don't want your kids to be colorblind. So I know a lot of people think, that that um, intent is good, but the impact is very bad um, because, you know, with colorblindness, we're denying the diversity that God has created. And so we want to give truth and we want to live in truth. And so that's the conversation we want to have with our children. And so as children, you know, begin categorizing, you want them you want them to understand um, what ethnicity truly is. There's a difference between ethnicity and race. And so ethnicity um, is what God created. Um, um, you know, um, nations, tribes, Gentiles, when he speaks of that that's the closest when we look at the Greek, um, you know, part of, of that word ethnicity. Um, that's the closest thing we have is scripturally. But you, so we want kids to, to understand that. But like, for instance, I had a little girl um, I, in the story that said, mommy, she's chocolate. Mm. And, you know, and the mom was so, you know, afraid that it was going to offend me, you know, but First of all, chocolate's good. <laughs> I <laughs> like chocolate. It tastes good. And, you know, and I would rather her say I'm chocolate than because I'm a darker hue, African-American, than to say coal. 
Because, you know what I'm saying? I don't think, although diamonds can come from coal, <laughs> you know, I don't think in terms of good as coal, but I really think that when what she described herself as vanilla and me as chocolate, and I think teaching kids how to acknowledge um, ethnicity and color in positive words, beautiful words, um, is a key thing. And really not shushing kids, but really explaining to them. And then if you don't understand, if you don't know yourself, getting books to help you and being around friends and in environments that can help you greater understand this so that you can model this for your children. So if you know that this is an area that you need help in and you need mentoring in or you have some issues yourself and you don't want that same behavior passed on to your children, then you have to start educating yourself as a parent. And you do that, number one, by getting around people and being in environments of people who don't look like you. You know, making that the norm. If you want to, on Sundays, visit a church that, you know, maybe um, an Asian church or a Hispanic church, just so your kids have that experience. And not just have them sit with you, but have them go to whatever children's program they have. Have, you know, um, the movies, the TV shows that you watched, you know, the things with your kids, the books that you expose them to, the toys, you know, it's all right for your child to have a black baby doll or, you know, and, and, and explain, you know, teaching them to love and nurture um, a child, you know at a young age and you know and buying your kids books that have characters that look different from them that's you know great. that's key yeah now when you talk about stories i love that you go to stories because i'm a big believer in the power of story um and not all stories are equally helpful right. on this issue what are some things that you would look for in a story that you want your kid to engage in that would really um help frame their concept in a positive way of how they view people of different nationalities. Yeah. I think one of the things that you want to create, you don't want to create a um, a one-story narrative, you know. No groups are monolithic. And so you want to expose your kids to um, environments where they, maybe there's equality as it relates to socioeconomic status. And so I think it's really important, you know, a friend of mine, she had never actually, uh, as an adult, she had never been around professional African-Americans. Everything that she related as to African-Americans were her, was her going to an underserved community. And so, you know, coming to Atlanta, meeting me, and then all my friends and all the connections that I had, there was this whole world and this whole bias that she had created that was really, wasn't a truth. and But she would have never known that, um, you know, ha- if she hadn't built relationships, you know, if I hadn't stepped into the space that I was working in. So I always say that, you know, where your friendships begin, you know, your stereotypes and your assumptions end. And mm-hmm. so where That's you have great. true relationship with people, then some of the biases that you have, you're realize that those are not true you know we're all different we're all different people and in any ethnicity there's good people there's smart people there's (laughs) bad people there's not so smart people
people, you know, <laughs> there's all these things in every ethnicity. And so we don't want to make generalizations about anyone. And I think the more that we can expose kids to different stories of people, real life stories, where it's all right for them to see someone in poverty, but it's also right, all right for them to see someone that has the same lifestyle, mm. you know, as them. And so, so you're talking yeah. about educating your children on two different things and realizing that they're different. Right. And, and realizing they're different. In a situation where they are around maybe someone of a different socioeconomic status yeah. to understand um, systems of advantage and disadvantage. Right. And also getting your kids into environments around people of a different race or nationality, that those are not necessarily the same the same right. educational experience. They're both important, but they're also right. both different. And it affects us all, even right. as a person of color, as a African-American. You know, I can think that, oh, there's no person that's white that lives in poverty. Mm. But that's, that's, a, that's a story right. that even, mm-hmm. you know, I need to be exposed to where that's not, you're not a monolithic group. That's and right. I can't generalize, you know, that. And, and so I think when you apply that back on the other end, as we talk about any ethnicity, those are lies that we can believe about one another that keep us separate from one another. And so uh, we want to do things that's going to, you know, build those bridges with your kids at a young age you know if it's exposing them and putting them in places where they're not going to be you know um, the majority where they are going to be that minority but not just having them go serve overseas and you know in Africa or Guatemala no have them serve in their community Mm -hmm. you know serving others with others you know Um, and I think that's key That's great. So as we're wrapping up our time together, we always love to try to get as practical as we possibly can. If you were, if you had a group of parents here um, with you and we're all kind of listening in right now, what would you say would be one thing they could do this week Mm -hmm. to really take action on um, this conversation when it comes to their children? Just one thing? (laughs) Just, Just one first. One first. One first would be to talk about race. If you haven't had that conversation, to talk about that with them in a, um, a kid-friendly way, you know, um, by asking your child, you know, what color are you? You know, you, they have flesh-toned um, crayons, and you can tell them to draw mommy or, you know, to draw daddy or to draw their sister, you know, or to draw, um, you know, maybe if you have a neighbor that's, a, you know, of a different ethnicity, draw them and really talk about the differences and how God um, has created everyone, you know, and how he loves everyone and how we're supposed to love everyone. So even taking down the um, the barrier and the fear of discussing race because you're going to say something wrong or your kids may repeat something, you know. So, t- you know, so really um, tapping into that where you, you this week you're going to freely talk about and describe things that you see on TV and people that you see and use beautiful words to describe them. You know, so they're not using negative words to describe, you know, um, what black means or what, you know, Hispanic means or what Asian means or even what white means. That's you great. know, and so we want to do something like that. So I that's love it. one. If I had that's to break one. it down to one, that's one. <laughs> well, I love, I love the grace that you have um, for parents, even in that, to say sometimes we're so afraid 
that we'll say something wrong, then it makes mm-hmm. us not say anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got to be uh, we've got to be able to give ourselves grace to say um, this is an issue that's worth talking about, even though you're probably going to make mistakes along the way. Right. It's worth the risk yeah. for the sake of your kid's future. It's a brokenness issue. And so just like we would address any other brokenness and, you know, messy conversation, we want to talk about this also. And it makes it for them as they be grow up you know, as they become adults and high schoolers, you know, it makes it easier. There's an understanding. You've deposited something that maybe if it's not even going to be used now, it can be used later. That's great. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Tasha, for having this conversation. Thank you. What a rich and practical conversation with Tasha Morrison. I loved the cue. I loved how simple that cue was. This week, simply talk to your kids about race. Just talk to them about race. So if you've got older kids, I guarantee you that they already are talking about it with their friends. So as a parent, talk to them about race. And I loved how she got even more practical with younger kids. If you have a younger kid, talk about race, but also pull out some paper pull out some crayons, and let them draw different shades of people. Um, This is something that Crayola can even help you with as you're talking about different colors of skins and things like that. Guys, it's a really practical cue this week from your parent cue team. So just do that. Take a step away and have a conversation with your kids about race. We're so, so glad that you guys joined us today. Listen, we have a recap of this entire episode and all the show notes, head over to theparentq.org. And as always, thank you so much for listening to Parent Q Live. What we would love for you guys to do is subscribe on iTunes, Google Play. There's a thing called Stitcher. And tune in. Who knew? Leave us a rating and a review and be sure to subscribe so you guys never miss an episode. Stay tuned later this week for, remember, a follow-up conversation with Tasha about specifically what's happening in our country these days with race. We'll see you soon.